All right, cool. So uh, we have Emma Stratton here from, uh, is it Get Punchy or is it just Punchy? It's just Punchy, Okay, yeah. just Punchy. Okay, so uh, Emma Stratton is a positioning and messaging expert. She's worked with a bunch of different folks within the SaaS, the B2B SaaS space speci uh, specifically. And uh, I'm really excited to have her on the show. Uh, one thing I wanted to start with is just, Emma, if you could give people a brief kind of rundown on how you got started kind of in your consulting business. So like the first couple of years, what did that look like for you? And then walk us through kind of where you're at now. Yeah. So um, I've always been a writer, always been a creative. And by chance, um, in my agency journey, we did a pro bono project with a young startup, biotech startup at the time. They were fresh out of Johns Hopkins and they didn't know how to talk about their platform they were building with machine learning. And I was able to help them at the whiteboard in like 10 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, this is a major problem. All this amazing, amazing innovation and software coming out and the people behind it really are getting mired in the details and don't know how to talk about it in a compelling way. And I always wanted to have my own business. And I thought, I'm going to start a business where all I do is help uh, tech companies tell a better story. So I started um, in the beginning, it was just me. And I was working with a lot of early stage seed round folks, helping them kind of get their initial positioning and value proposition and messaging. And as I kind of grew uh, the business now, I'm focusing more on kind of later stage, growth stage um, companies that are very focused on, you know, category, definition, differentiation, um, how do we tell one story for this expanding platform? So it's really grown um, into that over the years. But in the beginning, it was me working, you know, one-on-one -on -one with founders and helping them just really find the right words um, to explain what, you know, what they were creating. Nice. So would you, would it be predominantly like referral based? Would people be coming to you or would you see that people got some sort of seed uh, funding and then you would proactively reach out to them to see if they needed help with messaging and positioning? Like I knew, <laughs> I knew that's what I was supposed to do. And I think I tried to do that once. I tried to do like all the things you're supposed to do uh, when you're growing a business, um, cold outreach and all that. But it just, it never really worked for me and it didn't mm. really feel authentic to me. So in the beginning, it really was um, referrals through kind of people I knew. Once, if I could tell them very clearly who I could help and how, I kind of put that out into my network, which was pitiful, pity, like pitiful and small at the time. I had no network. Let me just say that I had no network and no presence online. I was basically living in a cave. Um, but there was enough people that I had met in my agency days that were connected to people who had businesses that had software in it because technology is really pervasive now in business. And so I kind of started through referrals and then the more people you work with, they move on, they know other people. And it really grew organically in the beginning. But I'd say the first few years really were kind of referral based where the best marketing you could do is really doing a good job with uh, your clients. And then over time now, it's really, it's organic search, it's social, it's things like that. Mm. And then when you're actually in these positioning and messaging sessions, Walk me through what these look like. It sounds like, you know, it involves a lot of like corralling different important folks within a company, whiteboarding some different concepts. Like walk me through kind of what that typically looks like. Yeah. So I actually don't do any whiteboarding. Um, I used to do that right in the beginning where it was very much roll up your sleeves and kind of get in there. Um, now, when I'm working with kind of later stage companies, established companies, the real 
The real challenge is alignment and buy-in. Like it just is. It's really not the words. It's getting everyone aligned and excited on the words so you could kind of move forward. And you're dealing with larger leadership teams. And so it, it can be very challenging to achieve that. So now the process that I do is there are two workshops where they're about, it's five hours total where I bring all the kind of core team. I have the company build a core team who's going to kind of go through this journey. And before those workshops, I do all the heavy lifting. So I run, you know, um, I do a competitive audit, competitive messaging and positioning audit. I look at the space. I interview customers. I look at online reviews. I talk to members of the team and I basically kind of do all the research and I come up with viable options, routes we could go, um, you know, we could focus on this versus that value proposition ideas. And I share the findings and then I give them options. And I say, let's discuss these options. Let's talk about it. Because one thing I found is whether I like it or not, uh, people can't really react to concepts until they see the words. It's very hard. You can talk abstract about something and then you'll see a headline based on that concept and people will be like, whoa, 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 I don't like that word or I don't like this. So what I do is I, I, I help people make strategic decisions and align in the room by reacting to concrete words, ideas, phrases. And then we do story exercises and we start kind of fleshing it out from there. But by me doing the heavy lifting and then saying, hey, here's like four ways we could go. Here are the trade-offs. You can really facilitate um, a really strategic conversation in a short amount of time. Um, but then there's always things I have to juggle, kind of personalities, power dynamics. And that is kind of things that I can just do because I've been doing this for so long. And I know that that's part of it too. But in general, I feel like if people are involved in the process and people feel seen and heard, um, that really, really helps with the alignment and the buy-in. So. Mm -hmm. It's a long yeah. answer. No, then we're, so we're going to take that in a couple of different directions. The first one that jumped out to me is, you know, you say like in order to get more familiar with the space, you do some form of competitive analysis. And I'm I'm going to guess, tell me if this is wrong, that I'm going to guess that this kind of competitive analysis that you do is probably similar to a buyer who is evaluating, you know, just, okay, I need a tool for X. So I'm going to take a look at like, just what what is out there? How are they different? And so uh, is that kind of, is that on the money? Is that like a little bit iffy? Like how, walk me through kind of how you, how you uh, evaluate just the, the overall competitive landscape. Yes. So you are right. You're pretty much on the money. So I do a positioning and messaging audit. So I will look at direct competitors. I will look at interesting indirect competitors and depending on the company. So with the earlier stage companies, you also want to look at competitive alternatives that maybe have nothing to do with what you sell because you're kind of so early stage, right? They're using spreadsheets instead of uh, your solution. But with the later stage folks, I'm looking at direct and indirect competitors and also kind of interesting people in the space. And then I will kind of get a grid. I will be like, here's how people, here's how they, the category they're calling themselves. Here's what they call their thing, Right. Here's how they're positioning the core value, their unique value prop. And here are the main messages that they are putting forward. And when you have them all in front of you, then you can be like, wow, everyone's talking this way or no one's really talking about this. So you can really find opportunities and you can also see the areas that are just done to death. You can see the white noise. Um, you can just see, um, you know, language that just has no more meaning because everyone is saying it. 
So from my lens, that's how we can get really clear on opportunities and challenges with messaging. However, I run customer interviews. And one of the things we talk about is like, okay, when you were looking for a solution, were you looking at anyone else? Why did you choose us versus others? And one thing I always find is one, people are always comparing you to like people you don't think you're being like companies that you're just like, ah, I don't even worry about them. And it's like, no, you're actually, they are in that consideration set. So I find that that happens more often than not where like the competitor, the company is obsessed with, like, isn't always the one that's in the mix. There'll be some like rando point solutions that are in the mix too. And then the other thing I will, I find out that happens all the time. And especially in competitive categories is the buyers will be like, oh, they're basically the same. And what it boiled down to is like, they were nicer people. Or I like, I felt like they care about us more. And it, so it's like they they think everyone basically does the same stuff and they will go off of connection or feeling like they're going to be taken care of as a customer. And it blows my mind, um, not because it invalidates the work I do, but we get so obsessed with like competitive positioning and like differentiated messaging when to buyers, they're like, wow, all these people basically do the same thing. Like there's a couple differences and whoever I connect with in the sales cycle and get a better feeling off of is who I'm going to go with. So that's kind of the thing that I, I find out, which is kind of like, oh, wow, that's the reality of the situation. That's, that's so true. And so like when I, when I'm typically like starting in a new competitive Intel role, the first thing that I try to do is, you know, the same thing I'm trying to validate, like, okay, who are the actual competitors and indirect competitors? Because usually um, there is some sort of like inaccurate view within the company of who we're actually up against. And so first I do the exact same thing. I talk with different customers. I also speak with, um, with, uh, accounts that maybe we tried to sell to, but they ended up going with someone else or they didn't move forward and do anything. And so trying to understand like what it was that they're looking for, their specific pain points, what didn't resonate with them, those kinds of things. When you're doing your competitive analysis, are you mostly focusing on like just the messaging and positioning side of things? I'm trying to understand like how you bucket the direct competitors versus indirect. Like, do you do any sort of like product-based analysis or is it pretty much just how they present themselves? Yeah, it's with how they present themselves. So I don't do any of kind of like getting into the true features and all that. And I find that more often than not, companies have that part down. They can list off in two seconds, like, well, our integration is more seamless than theirs. I'm like, they say that, but they just acquired that company. And they, you know, like the companies have no problem kind of breaking down, in my experience, why they're better, features, et cetera. Um, I'm looking at perception and projected image in the market, and it's unfair. But one of the things I always say is like, messaging drives perception. And that's kind of a key thing about messaging and positioning. It's about shaping a, a, like a, an intentional perception in the market. And it, you know, it may not be based on truth. Like there are people kind of lying out there in their messaging. It sucks, but it's true. I like, so, so, I just like, there are people out there kind of lying. That is so true. You're, that is so true. <laughs> they're kind of lying and so and that's what makes positioning and messaging kind of hard in that sense that it is it's a perception game it's not always based on reality you have to back it up with the product with the sales cycle with the experience and all that but you are trying to get kind of like you want people to think a certain thing you know you're trying to get people's attention and it may or not may or may not be 
you know, based on reality. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Um, when we're, I want to jump back now to the, uh, like the actual sessions themselves that you conduct with, with companies. And so, uh, we already touched on this before we hit record, but like, uh, one of, one of your clients was zoom info slash discover org back in the day, which I, I was my old employer. And, um, you know, you were mentioning like, yeah, like it's tough, uh, to sometimes work with so many different strong personalities. And so I can totally attest there are some strong personalities at Zoom Info, especially at the time when I was working there. Yes. And um, so I, I would love to understand, like, how did you get more comfortable, like being kind of the 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 leader with when talking amongst such a strong group of personalities and making sure that everyone's voice is heard? Uh, because I think that especially for, you know, individual contributors or people that are kind of like in that middle management section, they're really trying to level up and they want to be very specific in the recommendations that they give and they want to be experts. But, you know, when you have, uh, you know, CEO, CMO who are also very opinionated, it can be challenging to give your recommendations, stick to your guns um, and not just be like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And just like, kind of like, all right, whatever you say goes. And so I would love to understand kind of how you've evolved in that role of being kind of like that leader and making sure that everyone understands like your true recommendations for kind of moving forward with positioning and messaging. Yeah, it's funny, you know, that that kind of first project that I had with Discover Org was actually where I crafted, really laid the foundation for my process, which is built for high growth companies that move fast, that have a lot of opinions, that need to be part of the process and kind of make the decision quickly. So it was actually through that process with Discover Org that I that shaped kind of how I went moving forward. So I come from agency world where things were like, you know, as the agency, you would you would just like give the answer. You'd be like, ta-da, and you'd unravel the answer in a final presentation. And it'd be sort of a black box before that. And I kind of realized that wasn't really going to work with Discover Org because they were invested. They wanted to, to be a part of it. So, you know, we actually did get the whiteboard out. I had come with some recommendations and some ideas. And then as a team, I think I remember they had a couple um, sales leads in there, um, but we sort of like workshopped it together and ended up in a place that we were, everyone was really excited about. And it was the first time I was like, oh, it's not just on me to like bring the answer. This is really about bringing people together so that we can find the answer together. So it was a huge aha moment for me that it's not all on me to come up with the perfect thing, that it's about that the answer is already within us as an organization. It's just my job to help kind of tease it out and get everyone to agree. So, you know, moving forward, I think, you know, something I, I always have to do is I, I have to like win trust with the CEO, with leadership. Like, that is something I, I always have to do, right? They have to, they have to believe that they're in safe hands because this is such a big deal. So there is, you know, some trust building that happens, and you know, there have been times where I've said, where I I have the tough conversation with the CEO in the room that no one else can have. So for an example, I was working with a company last year or earlier this year. I can't remember; it's all a blur, and. They had grown up in, in a very specific, narrow kind of platform around data management, and they, it was time to expand. If they stayed small, they were going to get eaten up by the big companies. They, they hired me to help them expand their story. And so, you know, we came up with a story that was broader, but was a very different way of positioning the platform. It gave it a different name and a different story and everything. 
And everyone was like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. And I could sense like the CEO was like resistant. And he was like, he had just had a meeting with a VC. And, and so he was just coming, thinking about everything he'd heard from the VC. And he was just like, you know, kind of thinking there was, you know, there was, there was something wrong with this approach. And he was really being resistant. And I said to him, I told him, I said, okay, I want you to stop. I want you to take a deep breath. And I want you to imagine the safe option of the positioning, that that's your company. And then take another breath. And I want you to imagine this new one which feels better in your body? Like which one? He was like, oh, the new one for sure. And I was like, okay. So I brought in this head of sales and I said to the head of sales, like, is this new story going to destroy all your existing deals? Is it going to throw, throw the baby out with the bathwater? Are you going to lose all the people, you know, who know you for this small thing? And he's like, absolutely not. We're still going to be in all those deals, but now we can come into the story with a higher altitude. So it was, it was a combination of me, like saying to the CEO, like, stop your mind chatter, what feels right. And then bringing in the head of sales to validate, don't worry, this isn't going to destroy revenue in the moment to move forward. And we ended up using that positioning, their website, you know, everything it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's working for them. And so it can be things like that. And you never know what it's going to take in the moment to mm. achieve that, but you got to win trust with the leadership and you have to kind of like deal with emotional things that are happening that might be holding back like the success of, of the engagement. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And that also speaks, you know, for me personally, like when I do competitive analysis or research and I'm trying to present, you're, you're so right. I think in the past <clears throat> I've almost thought of like, okay, I'm going to pitch this program or my results almost in this like ta-da way. <laughs> yes. And that's like literally never how it goes with right. any executive. Like there's all like, I don't think I can get through two slides without there being like questions. And then like, I can tell like they're trying to like engage a little bit more versus just like sitting back and listening to me. And so I think that's one of those <laughs> things that I just, I'm really trying to improve just like as, as like a, as a, I don't want to say department as like a functional kind of leader with competitive intelligence. I'm really trying to improve on just like that collaboration element versus just like I'm an agency, like hired gun kind of a thing. I think that that's super important for people uh, to think about. That's a really great frame of reference. It is. And I think, so for me, options is the best, uh, you know, I, I give concepts options. So it's not like, here's a firm recommendation. It's mm. like, we could do this, we could do this. So small change, middle change, large change. I do it in terms of positioning. We could go this far away. We could just make a tiny change. People respond to options because they can have conversations about, oh, well, I like a little bit of this or a little bit of that. It helps you get closer. And then, you know, as the presenter, you're not like, everything's riding on this one. Yeah. You know, if they're like, no, what else you got? You're like, oh, I don't have oh, anything else. I don't got anything else. <laughs> <laughs> this was it. But the other thing I think um, what I do with teams is I, I remember like, okay, what was their, what was kind of like their main objective here, right? Or or what is the thing they really, what's the real problem we need to solve here? And if I feel like things are going off the rails and going away from meeting that objective, I will kind of lovingly remind us like, well, hey, remember, you know, how do you think that maps to like our original goal of doing X or Y, Z? So again, sometimes it's your job to be like, okay, let's bring this, let's bring this conversation back down to earth and just make sure, you know, is this, 
is this what we said we wanted to do? You have to do that too. Hold people accountable, um, hold them to the original vision because things can go off the rails like real fast, right? Or chasing kind of a new idea, uh, like a shiny object. Right, totally. And then the, I guess the next thing that I wanted to touch on when it, so you craft the positioning and the messaging is do is another thing that you work on with the team is like, the like disseminating that down from like the quick pitches for sales or like the enablement or do you pretty much stop at like here's a story and uh and then leave kind of like the more specific like breakdowns of that story to the team yeah I, somewhere in between so what i give teams is i give them a framework that has kind of like the long description the short description core value proposition and, and the key benefits which are the main top reasons to choose you and they map to kind of pillars, right? Whether they're product pillars or pillars of the company. Um, and sometimes I will break those messages down even further. So they're not necessarily product specific, but they speak to those areas. Um, we also give like a copy guide, right? So we'll do some initial, here's what it would look like on your homepage, about page. Um, and here are some before and after examples. And um I also sometimes offer structure for like the beginning of a first call deck, which maps to that story. But then, you know, kind of rolling it out across the website and like extensive um, enablement pieces, I don't go there. But what I find is what most people struggle with is they have all the persona messaging, they understand, they have all their kind of product focused enablement pieces. What a lot of people miss is like that overarching story that brings everything together. So it's kind of like putting that main story like on the homepage or in the beginning of the first call deck to kind of set the stage for the, the information that they give is usually what people need, right? They, they're good on personas. They know what certain audiences want to hear. It's that top level positioning and message that they struggle with. Okay, got it. And so and one last question, and it's kind of like an extension off of that, but then we'll wrap up. So um, when it comes to like that high level message or that high level story, uh, you had you had a really great um, article that you shared when I was doing my research, I saw one that was like, that you shared it in 2018. Uh, uh -huh. Don't please don't be the Uber of anything. Oh, I love that. I, I love, love that yeah, I love that. I was like, that's that's awesome. Yeah, totally. And the same. It was like uh, same thing. That's like a no no. We're reimagining X. Yes, I've yeah. seen that a million times. And I know you know there's like different story kind of archetypes that people kind of lean into. I know Andy Raskin has his whole like new game versus old game kind of concept. What what are like some of your favorite archetypes that you kind of go to almost as like templates for? these typically work that, you know, maybe a good starting point to kind of get companies kind of in that right headspace for like, okay, we could go this direction, this direction, that direction. Are, are there any specific ones that you can share? Yeah. So in terms of like a, a framework for value proposition, and it's, I do have some formulas that I, I kind of teach people. I do training. And so I have a bunch of formulas around value proposition. So really there's kind of like three ways you can go with a value proposition. Like the first is like very straightforward, which is almost like your positioning, you know, like um, on the, you know, if you were just to plainly state kind of the main value of what we do, what would it be? So it might just be something like, um, you know, boost performance in your contact center. So, you know, just very straightforward where it was very clear about like who you serve and what you do. Um, and that can be really good for younger startups. No one knows who you are. 
um, you just want to be very clear, like, this is what this thing is, right? And and just being very clear, because that's one thing, I think that's probably one of the biggest bits of feedback people get from kind of messaging on homepages, people are like, I don't even know what this thing is or does. So just being very straightforward can be good. Um, the second one is aspirational. So when you think about in terms of, you know, you're not selling software, you're selling a transformation in your customer. So I do it like a before and after uh, exercise where it's like, okay, this is what life looks like before. And this is what life could look like for them after our solution. And you can do a really fun brainstorm with before and after you can get like, how does it feel? You know, what are their processes like? You can get kind of very clear. And then writing a, um, a headline that kind of speaks to that future state, that aspiration of where they want to go, that bigger goal. And the thing about the aspiration, it can be like a big aspiration, like generate revenue faster for your organization, or it could be something tiny, like write a professional proposal in 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be this like blow your mind transformation. It just has to be a clear and meaningful one. So the aspiration one, I think is, is good. And then the final one is just, I kind of call it like the end goal. So it's like, ultimately in the end, what is this leading up to? What is this in service of? What bigger kind of goal? Um, what's the ultimate end result that you can expect? So these three, like the straightforward, the aspirational and the end goal, I have formulas. And in when I train uh, marketing teams on messaging, they'll run their product through all of the formulas and kind of interesting feedback is like the aspirational one is always the best one out of the three. So, you know, maybe that's the best way to go. But the caveat with the, the aspirational one is not to get too big and lofty where you're like a million miles away from what you actually do. Try and ground it in like some specificity and concreteness around what you actually do. Yeah, I, I I totally can see where that comes from, especially too. like, I can see like as a headline being like that attention grabber, that aspirational mm -hmm. kind of thing of like what people are looking for. But then maybe throughout like that, the rest of like the, the homepage and into some of like the specific solution page copy, like very, very specific and very clear about what this thing is and what's going to help you do. Because I feel like that's where people get kind of lost in a lot of cases. It's like, yes. okay, I'm really interested. And then like, wait, what? I don't. I don't even know what I'm looking at kind of a thing or like, what does this thing do again? <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, it, it's, it's an epidemic um, in, in the world of marketing. And so when you are a company that is very clear and plain and simple about like what you do and the value, you will stand out in the space. You really will. Right. Emma, this has been awesome. I've absolutely loved this conversation. Where can people follow you or find you if they're, if they want to learn more? Yeah, I mean, follow me on LinkedIn for sure, Emma Stratton, and you can head to punchy.co, um, sign up for my newsletter, I give we weekly tips um, to help people get better at messaging, and uh, yeah, just find me there. Awesome. Emma, like I said, really appreciate you hanging out. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>